Welcome back to another edition of Scoreline Extra with myself, Sinead Kyo. On today's show, we're going to have GAA, soccer, boxing and lots, lots more. But first, we're going to hear from Kilkenny manager Brian Cody after the Cats' disappointing one-point loss to Galway. We got some it's a very, very good hurt in the first half and they came back into it. We probably um, a few mistakes maybe were costly for us in the first half and that. And half time at about six points or so I did like one out and they were really going really well. Huge crowd behind them and that. So it's a huge challenge for us in the second half. I thought we were excellent in the second half. And you went uh, six points or so without reply and Kilkenny really got into the game at that stage and then Galway got a grip on it again. But did you think we were we were going to hold out, or how did you see that that stage? Because it did seem like we need a goal at the end, which we got, obviously. Uh, I mean, you were never, we were never going to dominate 25 minutes against uh, one of the best teams in the country. Um, we, we started off very, very well, obviously, and you know, we kept it going, and we were we were strong until the very, very end. Um, obviously, beaten by a last minute point from a free, so. That's that's um, means we were it was a very very even game. Your view on that last three because at uh, at three minutes on Cody on Murphy was popping up the ball time was actually up attacking that three. How did you see that three? I doubt you were happy. Well, I think uh, as usual when somebody asks when, when reporters start asking me what I thought about referees and referees decisions, they're merely suggesting the fact that I should have seen something strange about it. And did you? From where I was. I'd say it's very, very hard for you. Uh, TJ went off at half-time in niggly injury, I'd say. Uh, look, yeah, I mean, he has been. He's, he's played a long time with injury, and that, you know, so that's, that's um, you know, 25 minutes into it. This was intense from start to finish, and we knew it was going to be a big step up from the last two games. Um, how do you think we got? We had to use our bench at the end to, to, to get three more life into the heavy legs. Oh, yeah, well, I thought there was very, very good life in, the, in, in everybody out there for, for a long, long time, obviously, and like that. We've come over here to uh, Salt Lake many, many times over the years, and it's always been just very, very difficult just to come away from it. And I suppose we were about five seconds away from coming in and draw, which would be a healthy, a healthy um, result. But like I said, um, we showed terrific spirit and fight and hurling, I would say as well. And it's a round robin, you know, and that means it's just other games we have to play. We've played three, we've won two, we've, we've lost one, now we have to. And prepare for the next one in two weeks' time against Dublin and then we play Wexford and that's, that's the way we have to approach it. And Dublin will be every bit as competitive as Dublin are there tonight or today. Oh, I always consider Dublin massively competitive. Uh, it's in Parallel Park and wherever it is it's going to be competitive against Dublin. Um, just at the end here with Henry, it, it looks fairly tense between you or was it? Well, I have no idea what it was tense about anything got to do with anybody else because whenever we play a match as long as I'm about it, it's got absolutely nothing to do with who's in charge of any team. It's got everything to do with who's on the pitch. And um, Kenny players were out there representing Kenny today, and I'd be very, very happy with their representing the way they're representing Kenny. KCLR also caught up with Galway player Porrick Mannion after that game. Tight at the end as it always is with Kikini, but yeah, thankfully we just got over the line at the end and great free from Connor. Huge game, wasn't it, in terms of physicality? It had a bit, bit of everything, hadn't it? Yeah, sure, real championship game, and it's always the same with Kikini. You never get anything else. Um, as I said, just delighted to come out on top of a, a game like that and 
just support, unbelievable support yeah. here at home. So it's great to be able to give them something after a few couple of tough weeks and go. And doesn't it feel like it's kind of igniting something because they really got behind you? Your first half in particular, some great scores as well. Yeah, sure. It's the home games, I suppose, it is a slight advantage. Um, but look at we need to go and obviously enjoy the evening here now yeah. and just enjoy the win. But we we'll, we have to go again and two more games in the round robin and there's nothing uh, finalised yet we've no so nobody's got through or nobody's out yet so we just need to keep going keep the heads down and keep going he ended up on young Owen Cody there in the second half as well he's he's a fair talent that young lad isn't he oh, he is he's an excellent player um, just he's very good he's well able to win his own ball he's quick he has, he's everything so yeah excellent player he's a tough job for whoever has to mark him but yeah look it's just glad we got out on top eventually Look, as you mentioned, it's been a sad few weeks, Kate Moore and, and those, and you, you think of those people on great moments like this, don't you? Ah, yeah, look, at it. it's, you know, it puts a lot of it into perspective. It's only a game of hurling, but we give so much to it that yeah. it's more than a game of hurling in some ways. Um, but to look at it, it can bring something positive to people of Galway for Sunday evening, it's worth doing it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a tough few weeks for us and some people more than others, but if this can kind of bring a bit of excitement for a few hours, it's, it's, uh, it's worth it. Porrick, well done. Great achievement and uh, thanks for coming up to us. Thanks. Porrick, just uh, for Casey Lark, Kenny Lister's splendid performance from Galway in the end. Only seven points in the second half, but uh, a win is a win and it's very important. Yes, but a win is a win, all right, especially playing against Kilkenny. If you told us this morning we'd have a one-point win, we'd have took your arm off. So, yeah, it's, we're delighted to just get over the line and two points on the board and ready to go again then. And you went well up in the first half and you could have even went further ahead. You had a few missed opportunities, but you weathered the storm, hit a purple patch, got a purple patch in the second half and I suppose you can say the rest is history because the win is there. Yeah, Kilkenny with the two goals in the first half, I suppose they were sucker punches for us to take but I think in fairness to all the lads they responded very very well and we finished the half really strong um, but sure with Kenny they always have that potential to get a goal and even at the end they stuck the goal but in fairness to Aina in goal straight away he was ready next book out quick we got the f- won the free and delighted for Conor Cooney as well to, to slot that over after after the Wexford game Yeah I'd say Wexford Park was in the back of his mind but he still had scored and in fairness to Conor he did score but a great great uh, effort it's, it's a great day for Henry as Sean was saying a few emotional weeks passed by here in Galway but uh, that's a great win for Henry great win for the team and it's a great builder two matches left now in the round robin and no one's in no one is out as you said to Sean so a few great weeks interesting weeks two week break will crown everybody as well Yeah just two points to the board keep going plowing ahead and hope for the best well listen well done in your own personal performance excellent and well done today thanks thanks Barry good man thank you on Saturday Shane spoke to Connor Byrne of New Oak Boys Welcome back to Scoreline that just kicked off across the pond in the Premier League and we'll try and bring you an update on the Kilkenny and Carlo contingent that are playing over there as well. Big shout out, I don't think it was mentioned as of yet, Paul Almond when getting promoted with Exeter City. Just a huge, huge accomplishment for him after the devastation of last year with Newport. But uh, amazing just to see someone locally do so well. We'll actually be talking to one of those players that are across the pond in just a bit. I've spent a lot of time down in Waterford. He's a former Waterford player. He's currently playing his trade with Grimsby, following in the the footsteps of Greg Nemanis, Michael Reddy, who became a legend over there. Gavin Houlihan should be joining us on the show tomorrow. But we're going to keep things even more local than that we're going to talk about New Oak Boys what a tremendous season they are having all in all so far and there could be lots more to come joining me on the line now one of the players Connor Byrne Connor thanks very much for taking the time sir 
Thank you very much for having us on, saying cheers. It's just, it's tremendous being able to follow the journey. Firstly, going back to the start of the season with the KCLR, Carlos Shield coming away with a 3-1 win over Slaney Rovers. Did that really help kind of set the pace now going into the Premier Division? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, like getting that getting that early win and getting that early trophy um, at the start, you know, in, in January there, kind of, it really did set the tone for us in the Premier in the Premier League, and you know it, we we kind of set ourselves goal. We came together as a team at the start of the year and said, "Look, what we want to achieve here." And we we knew we had a good squad, and we had a good bunch of players with with a great attitude. So we said, "Why not set the goals and really, really try and try win everything this year if we can?" So we're still on track to doing that. So. It, it, it really did set that, that first trophy in January really did set us up nicely for the Premier League and you know just result after result kept kept coming so it did for us and speaking of the Premier Division like you're talking about results after results but you're coming away with 18 games 16 wins and only 2 draws so undefeated you're the Invincibles it seems <laughs> yeah that's that's it yeah it's, it's just it's just the way it's after working out like it's just we've we've built in credit to the to the management team getting the, uh, a good squad together, um, you know Gavin really really um, has has kind of brought us all together and really started to believe in ourselves and believe that we're we're, we're really capable of doing big things. And when we go into our games, uh, when into our Premier Division games, you know, eleven o'clock on a Sunday morning, the, the kind of the the the, the, uh, the kind of motto is hard work, hard work. And if if you can if you can bring that, everything else kind of falls into place and this whole thing around belief and believing that we can score and believing that we can get the results and it, and, and that, that plays a huge part in it. Obviously, we have some really, really talented players in, in, in the squad, you know, the likes of Dean Kelly. We have young young Jamie Murphy coming through and he's playing alongside his dad as well. So there's there's, there's great energy in, in, in the squad and, and it, it just has... Is, it's worked out really, really well for us this year. And you're talking about goals scored. There's 62 goals scored um, in those 18 games, which is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But even more impressive, because I'm coming from a defensive background, A conceded. Mm-hmm. You're looking at Cretillard last month, which was a big, big game to decide where this title could go, because you finished four points above Cretillard's United, probably the biggest rivals in the league. Yeah. And then you bet him 3-0. How do you keep Lee Salter quiet? How, how, how do you keep Danny Doyle quiet? Yeah, and I'm, look, look, we've had some great battles with Credit over the last yeah, couple of years, and and look, we we have we've we've worked on these things, you know. Our our defence has been has been really really good this year. The likes of Dylan Kitely, Carl Gaffney, you know, these guys have really just upped it another level again, and and really really worked on their defence, um, and and their shape, and they just their their, their level of communication with each other. Everything has just been. Has, has has upped another gear. Like, like I said at the start, setting our goals. If we really want to achieve something big with New Oak, um, we we had to bring it to another level. So I think we have done that this year, and and and, and fingers crossed, it, it 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 keeps working out for us. Why is it about the Kilkenny and Carlow sides that seem to be doing well at a provincial level? Of course, you had the Oscar Trainer success for Carlow not so long ago, only a few years ago, meeting and besting Kilkenny in the final, and then going on into the LFA. So Sometimes I have this discussion with uh, people, and would it be the fact that, and a lot of people kind of lament the fact that we don't have a Airtricity site or a Premier site or a Division 1 site, but does that help the junior soccer in both counties? I suppose it does. In in a way, there's probably an argument for and against having a, a, a 
an electricity side in this part of the world. But I, I don't know. It's, I think it comes down to the coaching that that is received in, from by young players. You know, there's there's some serious coaching going on at underage level, and and you can really start to see the, the talent coming through into the junior soccer in in, in both leagues. Um, you know, I I remember playing school soccer, and it would have always been. I would have played with Carlos CBS and we would have always been kind of competing against um, schools in Kilkenny and so on. And there would have been really, really great matches. And you just knew that there was serious talent in, in both counties. So, um, I don't know. I, I suppose having there, there's definitely there's definitely people out there that would love to see an, an electricity side in Carlow and Kilkenny. But it probably does, in a way, help not having one there. And, and the, the standards are just so high in, in, in the junior leagues. You know, and you can have lads like Dean Kelly who can go off and play that kind of style, and then come back and better the league. Mikey Drennan, of course, with Evergreen, yeah. which is a team that you could potentially be meeting in the LFA final. Now, before we get to that, we have to talk about last week's epic game. We had our own epic game against Freebooters in the KCR Macalma Cup Freebooters B team. Uh, a a yeah. penalty save in the last minute of extra time, followed by us going down the other end and uh, bagging a goal. So we've had our own kind of celebrations with that Castle Warren Celtic, but then just looking I was catching up online we were obviously on air and we were getting updates in regards to Freebooters and New Oak Boys but what a game that seemed to have been and talking about Dean Kelly he's getting the goal and then there's a goal in extra time it just seemed like it had everything Ah, oh, everything is right and like Freebooters brought their A game they were really on it and um, they, 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 you know they, they, it was just so competitive it was so enjoyable to be part of it and you know you, to, 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 to be given a jersey to go out and actually start in that game against Freebooters last week was was a huge honour because there was a huge crowd there. People were the sun was out. Everybody was in really good form. And I tell you, Freebooters they were a cracking side. Um, like we 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 went one down just before half time, kind of brought it in at half time and we had a bit of a chat with ourselves and said, look, we're, we're we haven't even started. We haven't even got out first gear yet. So Gavin really kind of uh, kind of. You know, started pushing, pushing us, and telling us that there was a lot more in the tank, just keeping the ball in the deck and and get and 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 start playing a bit of ball. And, and luckily enough, Dean Kelly steps up and 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 um and and gets us gets us our uh, equaliser. Um, and then it, we brought it to extra time, and an unbelievable free kick is struck again by Dean. So you know he he's done it he's done it all season. Um, himself and Lee Walker up top as well. Like they've been they've been excellent this year. Um. And unfortunately, you know, we we conceded and we had our keeper sent off in the last minute or two of extra time, which brought us the penalties. But the the, the hero Roy Byrne then stepped up and became <laughs> our our substitute keeper and saved three penalties in the in the shootout, which is it's a uh, right or over stuff. Like you know what I mean? It's really it's unbelievable. Did you step up yourself? I didn't. I, I fortunately enough, I was I was whipped off about five minutes ago in extra time. <laughs> I think they were they knew the penalties were coming and I wouldn't be a, a prolific penalty taker or anything. So uh, I think that the right lads are on the pitch for, 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 for uh, taking penalties. So Four teams are left. You have Evergreen. Yeah. Uh, they're going up against Kilbarrick. And then yourselves, North End United of Wexford. When you're coming into these games, Connor, 
how much do you actually know about the other clubs? Now, I, when I used to play with freebooters at a schoolboy level, Newark Boys was in the Kilkenny kind of schoolboy league at the mm. time. So I'd be you'd, the two teams would probably be quite aware of each other, you know, as as you had people coming up through the ranks. But then you're going up, you bet Dublin Airport, you bet Harding, and now you have North End United. How much do you know about this team, or is it a case of we're just going to play our own game? Um, I suppose there's a bit of both there. Like you know, like we 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 definitely would. You know, you you'd be checking out results and keeping an eye on teams that are still in it. And uh, you, you, we would have played against these guys maybe two years ago, just pre-COVID. And we have an idea of what they're about, and we know they're a very very good football inside. Um, I know the likes of John Lester is playing with them and so on. He's he's been, you know, a, a great great stalwart for for North End for the last couple of years. Um, but there is an element of we are New Oak as well, and we we kind of we 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 play our own game, and we kind of focus on our on 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 our on our own task at, at hand. So like we have to we have to we you do have to be focused about who we are, and and we know that if we are 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 are, are tuned in and ready and and focused, and we if we believe in ourselves, there's there's no doubt. We can get a we can get a result down in Wexford Town um, on the eighth. It's, it's 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 we're really really looking forward to it as well. Um, and I suppose the preparation, you know, we have the, the schedule has been quite heavy the last two three weeks. You know, of it's course, been, uh, yeah. It's been it's been Wednesday Sunday Wednesday Sunday. So even even getting a session together is, is difficult. So it's, it's it's just about recovery and making sure that you're 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 eating well, sleeping well, and and getting you know get. Few boys getting into the river just to recover, or we're heading down to one of the recovery hubs in in, in town. So, it's um it's it's just about preparation that in in that sense. We know who KCLR want in the final. We want the New Oak Boys in Evergreen final. <laughs> Kenny and Carlo, I can confirm that anyway. Is there yeah. anybody on your mind? Would you take Kilbarrick or would you take Evergreen? I I honestly at this day I, I think we just need to. Well, we're just focusing on our next game. Our next game is actually Cretty um, tomorrow morning. You know, yeah. we're playing them at eleven o'clock. And while the, the the North End game is there, it's in our heads. We just we are taking one game at a time, and it's it's the same attitudes, the same the same preparation, the same the same build up. I think if we got ahead of ourselves, you know, it's a semi final tomorrow in 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 the the Premier Cup. Yeah, the so, Keaton Memorial you know, Premier we, Cup kicking off at eleven o'clock there. Yeah, exactly. So like we, we we cannot we cannot be distracted, not distracted, but like we cannot kind of deviate from the plan. The plan is that we keep 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 the train rolling and um Credit Yard, we played them on Wednesday. It's a brand new game tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning and they're gonna be they're gonna be ready for us and they, they want they wanted a, a bit they wanted to knock us um out of that competition as as we do to them as well. So um it's it's gonna be a battle tomorrow. So you know just, just having ourselves ready and, and and one one game at a time, is, I think, is key. Um, Cretier got to the final in the LFA not so long ago, 2019, I believe. We were covering it here at KCLR, going up against Sheriff, ended up losing two one. Gotten, absolutely yeah. gotten, and it's not nice being in that. Evergreen on the other side uh, got to the FAI final twice, I believe, uh, failed on both occasions. I know that Freebooters are the only team to win the LFA from a Kilkenny perspective. With Cressyard getting to the final, is it, would it be on your mind at all that you can go because you're the biggest rivals together? Would you be? Yeah. Would you be on your mind that we can do one better here? 
I think so. I think there is an element of that. Yeah, absolutely. We, 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 and fair juice to credit for getting to that final, and it was a huge achievement for the Carlo League. Um, but we, we, we do want, we, we want to win that competition. We really do. And um, I think that's that there, there probably is an element of that as well. You know, it feeds into that rivalry between the two of us. We, we want to get one up a small bit on on Cretty and. Um, I think we can do it. I really do think we can do it. We have the quality in the team. We have the depth in the squad. Everybody is... It's, 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 there's a healthy competition for places and I, I have no doubt we, we are more than capable of, uh, of winning that Leinster Junior if we, if we are on it and we bring our A game that day. Um, and we have, we have, like I said, we have to get over North End first. The, it's one game at a time. We cannot... You know, we cannot kind of deviate from the plan and you have to just kind of focus on the next game. That, that, that's it, just the next game. Just keep it taking, keep it taking. And just before I let you go, Connor, you're talking about healthy com- competition. You're looking at the Carlo League, it looks like a bit of a two-horse race, but we know that the likes of Collection said we've had them on quite a bit and they're constantly just improving their standards and facilities. Is there any teams that you'd be looking over your shoulder for? Because, you know, St. Patrick boys, they came ninth... They took a point off you yeah. um, yeah. earlier in the year, you know, so, uh, or just in, not so long ago. So, where, any other teams that you're going to be concerned about besides Credit Yard, Parkville United are doing quite well this season as well. What can they do to be able to get up to the standard of Credit Yard and the New Up boys? Yeah, I, I, I tell you, every game we've played this year, like, they're, 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 they've all been competitive. Like, you know, it's, it's, we, like, we had out, we, at the start of the season, we had out the Slaney and, they're they're dog fights, you know. You're 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 trying to you're trying to get a result out there, and you know a bit of luck falls on our side, and we're able to get our goal, and we're able to kind of keep it together, and we we come out with a result. It might be a a one nil or a two one, but the likes of Slaney have been very very good this season. Um, you have you know Collection. We've had some serious battles with Collection this year, um, and they have a fantastic facility, a new setup out there, new um new pitches, and that that's just only going to improve their. Their, their team, no doubt, because they're going to have. They're going, it's going to be attractive for for players to come out and and train out there and be part of that setup. Um, and 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 you even have the likes of um, likes of Vale coming up next year. They were promoted, I think, into uh, the Premier, and um, they're going to be they're going to be a tough tough match. They're a young young side, and definitely they're they're more than capable of uh, being very very competitive at the top level in Carlow League. Um, like like I said. All teams have been have been very very tough throughout the year, and it's it's just I think what we we have this year with New York is this kind of brotherhood that has been kind of built, um, a kind of a, a sense of of unity and belief in in our own abilities and, and belief in the team and trust in each other, um, trust in everybody in, in in the squad that we all have a part to play, and and it's just been a really really enjoyable kind of process throughout the entire year throughout the entire season it's just been really really enjoyable to be part of so um, yeah uh, Connor, thanks ever so much for being so you know, kind with your time. We wish you nothing but the best of luck. We are praying for that Evergreen and New Oak Boys final here at KCLR, I can assure you. But uh, thanks very much. Best of luck in your match tomorrow as well with Cressy Yard, of course, being neutral in that respect. I also have to wish best of luck to Cressy Yard. But no doubt it's going to be a cracking game at 11 o'clock in Burren Road, uh, New Oak's home ground. Best of luck, Connor. Thanks so much. Thank you very much.
Conor Byrne there from New Oak Boys talking about his size Premier Division victory the KCLR Shield victory the LFA semi-final amongst other things they're playing Cretty Yard tomorrow 11 o'clock it's going to be a cracking game I can assure you and if you're not want to see another cracking game come and see Castle Warren we're taking on Brookville out in Ballyragget tomorrow as well at 11 o'clock I'm going to go to a quick ad break I'll keep you up to date on what's happening in the Premier League bit of music lot still to come here on Scoreline Una Dillon, who is suffering from breast cancer, is looking to raise awareness of the illness and she's running 5k every day this month. She spoke to Shane on Saturday. Welcome back to Scoreline. It's just gone four o'clock. Thanks very much to Angela for the news. Now, as promised, I will be talking to Una Dillon. Una is going to be walking 5k a day for the month of May. She's doing it to raise awareness for metastatic breast cancer, which is a hugely worthy cause. And joining me now on the line is Una. Una, thanks very much for taking the time. Hi, Shane. Thank you very much. Uh, Una, you were diagnosed with the illness in, in itself, so obviously it's something that is very close to, to home for you to be able to do this task and a monumental task which you've set for yourself. When were you diagnosed initially? Um, Shane, I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer three years ago. So I'm having ongoing treatment since in St. Vincent's Hospital in Dublin and I'll continue to, do, to have treatment for the rest of my life. So it's something, something that's going to be ongoing. With the task that you've set yourself at hand, uh, it, it, obviously there's, there's huge repercussions of, of going through the care that you're currently going through, but it's something that you've seen that you want to rise to the challenge for. Yes, I suppose over the past three years, I have received invaluable support from both Kushnoor and the Marie Keating Foundation. And from from my initial diagnosis, they've helped me process what I was going through and come to terms with with my diagnosis. And up to, I suppose, then, I've always heard of um, the wonderful work both of these charities do. And it wasn't until I reached out to them for help that I fully realised the extent of the services that they offer. And... Um, I suppose they've, they've helped me so much and helped my family in so much that I really wanted to be able to give back to both of these charities and in turn help um, another family or a few families in return. That's hugely noble of you to do that. In terms of raising awareness, are you coming up against people that don't know exactly what that illness entails? Do you find yourself having to explain to people what it actually is? Um, yes, I suppose there are so many different types of cancer out there and it's just, you know, creating an awareness of all the different types. And um, personally myself, I didn't realise what metastatic breast cancer was myself until I was diagnosed. And, um, you know, that I will be, as I said, you know, having treatment ongoing all the time and it's just coming to terms with that and learning to deal with that and try live your life as best you can. You know, I've come to realise that you can live a relatively normal life while having ongoing treatment the whole time. And I do realise, you know, I'm lucky, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones and I'm extremely grateful 
to the ongoing research and the cancer care I have received and continue to receive. Well, to to say that you're you're grateful for something like that is quite heartwarming in the sense that you're able to readjust your 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 mental capacity to to something and look at the positive side of something like that because you're going through the treatment. What has the treatment been like for you, and what what exactly does it entail? Um. So initially, I had six months of chemotherapy, and then that was followed by um, biological therapy, whereby I received two antibodies um, every three weeks in St. Vincent Hospital through infusions. Um, These antibodies caught the remaining cancer cells and stopped them from multiplying. Um, And I've also been very fortunate to be accepted onto a trial in the February pre-COVID and I take a trial drug in a tablet form every day at home. I've scanned every three months and um, thankfully my tumours have remained stable and have shown no signs of progression in the last three years. So I'm just thrilled, to be honest, to be well enough to be able to take on this challenge. I don't take life for granted anymore and I suppose the idea of this fundraiser was... um, going around in my head for months and months before I even had the courage to verbalise it to anybody. And, you know, I was afraid to dream, afraid to believe that it could ever become a reality. But now that we're approaching the 1st of May tomorrow, I'm just so, so grateful just to be, um, you know, be able to be in a frame of mind and in a position to be able to walk 5k a day. And um, I've just, I'm just blown away by the response I'm receiving and I feel so heartened and encouraged by all the well-wishers and support and, you know, I actually feel quite emotional about the month ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm getting kind of emotional listening to to you speak about and and, and having that positivity, uh, knowing that this mammoth task is coming ahead. Um, Coming up with the idea, you said that you've had it in your thought and in your conscious for, for quite some time and it must mean before you verbalised it were you almost kind of building up to that in any way and challenging yourself to be able to walk you know further and further every time or doing it on consecutive days because no doubt your energy would be sapped going through th- treatment um, No I suppose exercise has always been a recovery um, part of my recovery journey from day one um, even when I think back to my chemo days, you know, some days when I wouldn't be well, I even just to get out in the fresh air and walk up and down the driveway, I just always felt so much better after it. And um, so I, I suppose, and my cancer care team have always urged me to stay as physically active as I could throughout the treatment. And um, so walking has always been a huge part of my recovery plan, you know, recovery journey, both physically and mentally. And I just wanted to combine that in my fundraising endeavour then. So um, I suppose part of the reason why I was afraid to say it, you know, I just, when you get a diagnosis, you are afraid to think too far ahead or to plan too far um, in advance. So you know, you just take one day at a time, one step at a time. And I was afraid, you know, that if I planned this too far in the head, that the time might never come, you know. So it's here now and I'm healthy and well and ready to take it all on board. That's amazing. Um, Una, is this a journey that you're going to be 
take it upon yourself? Can people get involved? Can people join you on the walks or can they do it themselves on their own? Or is this purely an individual thing for yourself? No, well, you know, um, initially I had planned uh, planned something smaller in my head. And then when I started to speak with a few friends and um, I have two friends who are really helping me behind the scenes, Elena Bourne and Mary O'Keefe. And it once we started spreading the word, it just snowballed into something much bigger and everyone was really excited to get on board. So I suppose my month ahead is pretty booked up at the moment with walks. I'm going to walk with various groups, you know, through the schools and the Athletics Club in Ballycallan with Cushnor, people from the Marie Keating Foundation, my GP practice. St Vincent Hospital. Um, I'll be doing a lot of my walks at the hurling pitch in Danes Fort, where my boys spend most of their time every every evening of the week um, training or playing matches. But really, the best thing people can do to get on board um, is to do their own 5K, whether it's a walk, run or a cycle. Take a photograph and tag the page. And it's a great way to keep awareness of the fundraiser going throughout the month. And, and just ta- sorry, yeah. sorry, talking about the fundraiser, um, where can people actually donate then when it comes down to it? A lot of different options are available. You have GoFundMe and stuff like that. Is there a particular site in which you're using for people to donate or do yes, people go Shane. to Kushnoor or anything like that? No, what we have set up, Shane, is um, an I donate page. And if you um, just follow it, Una's 5K a day in May, and um, that will bring you to our I Donate page and all the funds we raise will be split, split evenly between Cushnor and the Marie Keating Foundation. So, um, yeah, we've just received a truly phenomenal response so far. We've raised over €8,000 at this stage and I haven't even taken a step yet. So, <laughs> just it's great. That's huge, especially considering we're just out of February. That would have been the shortest month of the year. You went with a month with 31 days in it as well, which is just, it's its amazing to hear. So, well, what's a few extra days? <laughs> a few extra Ks, it has to be said. There's a, there's a lot involved in it as well um, in terms of preparing your, your actual physical body to go through something like that is no mean easy feet or anything like that so will you be stretching and, and doing various different things before you start off on your journey um well you know i do walk a lot every day i suppose um with this fundraiser i just feel my my biggest challenge personally is um i'm not i'm not great at putting myself out there and i'm just trying to kind of just tell myself you know it's all for the good of these two charities and i suppose i'm you know, I'll quietly go out here on the road myself or down the fields and go for my own walks every day. But, um, you know, now all the attention and everything this is receiving, I'm I'm not great in the limelight, but um, we'll embrace it all for the month anyway. It's all it's all for the greater good of Cushnor and the Marie Keating Foundation. Well, hopefully you'll become accustomed to it as well because no doubt we'll be catching up with you maybe next week, the week after, as long as this journey continues and uh, showing people where they can donate. Um, Is there social media that people can follow along the journey as well? Uh, Like seeing the photos that people are putting up and seeing how other people are getting involved, the fun that they're having and getting involved, they might want to take it up themselves. So is there any page that you can direct them to to see these photos going up? 
Yes, Alina has set up um, an Instagram, a Facebook and a Twitter account. So she is just fantastic at updating all of that and coming up with all of her ideas. And um, yes, so if anybody wants to follow us on those pages, Una's 5K a day in May. We'll have an article up as well during the week on scoreline.ie so people will be able to follow along that journey and go on to the donation page. Una, we will be in touch once again next week and the week after. As I said, I, I wish you nothing but the best. Sincerely mean that going forward on this big task, monumental task, 5K every day for the month of May. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and for your efforts in raising funds for some much needed charities, particularly coming out of COVID. A lot of charities were hit very, very hard as fundraising efforts were curtailed by it. So uh, thank you so much and best of luck. Thanks very much, Shane, and thanks for having me on your show. And for spreading the word of our fundraiser. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, anytime. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Una Dillon, who is doing something a lot of us mightn't be able to do, but given us the impetus to be able to go and do it. Uh, we'll have it up, as I said, on scoreline.ie during the week, but that's Una Dillon, uh, diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, raising awareness for the cause by walking 5K a day for the month of May. <laughs> Gary Keogh of Marble City Boxing Club reflects on Katie Taylor's win. Katie Taylor, just doing the country proud once again. Joining me now on the line for Marble City Boxers is Gary Keogh. Gary, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. Shane, thanks very much for having us. It's an absolute pleasure always getting to talk boxing. We were talking to Ollie O'Neill yesterday. He was in Paulistown. He said that it was a lot of uh, Marble City boxers involved in the national championship yesterday yeah that's correct yeah look we had uh we had three young three young boxers from the club were involved in national school by finals um and look it's, it's a phenomenal achievement to have the lads there on finals day um over 511 boxers started out the championship and uh to have three of our lads there on the finals day contesting national finals was was unbelievable um we had Keane Stapleton came away took took away the, the national by three 52 kilo title so he was crown champion of Ireland. And we had Josh Dowling and Oliver McGrath just came up small but short in their finals. But look, to be crowned, you know, second best in Ireland at their age and weight, um, you know, in their first competitive year of boxing, it's, look, it's a, it's a phenomenal achievement. And we have no doubt that over the next couple of months, you know, those, those the small little uh, errors maybe that we made, we'll put them right and uh, we'll get the lads on top, on top of them. That's absolutely phenomenal, Luke. Congratulations to the guys there yesterday. It's no easy feat. And you're saying their first year of boxing? Yeah, it's the first first competitive year. These chaps, um, they were born in 2008, but their first competitive year would have been when COVID came around in March 2020. So they never actually got to compete. So this has been their first year of competition. So um, all three lads came through several several fights to get to the All-Ireland Finals. Um, they were phenomenal. Their, their performances throughout the championship the club couldn't be any prouder of of the three lads. Um, they they performed at the highest level, and did the club did did the club proud. So look, it's been brilliant. It's been a brilliant championship. Yeah, like just listen to Ollie talk yesterday and hearing yourself talk. There seems to be a, a nice period for boxing within Kilkenny. Oh, they had a great history, but like it seems to be a lot of prodigies on the cards. Absolutely, there, there's there's huge potential within Kilkenny. Um, there's a number of boxers coming through, um, and 
you know, there's, there's a couple of championships coming up now in the next month or two, which act as qualifiers for the European championships to get to travel with the Irish team. And I, I know from our own club, we'll have seven or eight boxers com- contesting those um, those titles. And hopefully they'll be able to get themselves onto a, onto a plane and head to the European championships to represent the Irish team. That's, that's the main plan. And I've no doubt the lads are good enough to do it. It's just performance on the day is the main thing, Shane, as you know yourself. Talking about performances and talk about representing Ireland, Casey Taylor last night coming in as the underdog, which I just found a bit shocking. But uh, what did you make of that fight? Oh, look, absolutely phenomenal. Um, I suppose, look, she showed the true meaning of champion last night, especially in in the fifth round. She came back from the brink. Um, She looked in trouble in the fifth round. um, And and I'd say an awful lot of people felt that she she was gone. But she managed to to battle through, come back, win the, the final four rounds and get a split decision win to hold on to all the belts. And it keeps the dream of coming back to maybe Ireland, to Crow Park, to defend the belts. Um, it, it keeps that dream alive. It certainly does. Like we were talking to Darren O'Neill yesterday and uh, Darren very much kind of his heart said Casey but his he said his head probably leaned towards uh, Amanda Serrano. He delve back into the Delphine kind of Pearson fight where Casey did look on the brink as well but then came away with the win he said Serrano is going to be a tougher opponent but you know Casey certainly felt it in the fourth and fifth round but just coming away in the last 30 seconds alone just two fighters slugging it out until the bell eventually told that's what boxing's all about isn't it absolutely look she showed she showed the true meaning the champion there um, you know I suppose other fighters maybe in that fifth round they would have gone down, maybe thrown in the towel at that stage when when the going got real tough. Um, she battled through it. She battled through it um, and, and ensured that she held on to her belts. Um, Serrano is no is no easy fighter to come against. Um, she she came to take the belts. There's no doubt about it. Um, but Katie Taylor just absolutely incredible. Um, you know, age age. She just defies age. Age is just a number to her. Uh, 35, 36 years of age be competing at that level um, it's just unbelievable I, I don't think we'll ever see the likes of it again uh, There's a lot of people like myself who's a bit of a layman when it comes to boxing you know I always enjoys watching the fights or anything like that but doesn't generally understand the scoring system um, there's a lot of people like me out there, out there but I don't generally flash my opinion about it or anything like that because I don't understand it but the split decisions seem to be quite contentious it, it, certainly a lot of people on say on Twitter saying Serrano should have come away with the victory and other people saying well you don't know how to score a boxing fight Taylor was clearly the victor and then blame lies on the judges as well can you explain why there might be a split decision like that what did you see during the fight yeah look I suppose it, it comes down to everyone has their own opinion and it's what you like some some people they love to see the aggressor the, the person that's on the front foot doing all the throwing of the shots but at the end of the day the judges are looking for the scoring punches um, Katie Taylor, she's a phenomenal. She's she's phenomenal with her her precision of punches. You know her her target and her her accuracy is, is unbelievable. She she got a lot of clean scoring shots on Serrano last night. Serrano, yeah, she piled on pressure. You know she made it made it a very interesting fight. I suppose that's what people love. They love an an enthrall and interesting fight. Had Katie Taylor just boxed and Serrano tried to box with her, it would have been a, a very probably boring fight to watch because Katie Taylor would have just. She would have schooled her all day long, but that made it made it a very very interesting fight to see Serrano go hell for hell for leather for for the twelve rounds. Um, she made it a very interesting fight, but I, I can understand an awful lot of people look they're entitled to their opinions. Um, but 
at the end of the day, it's the scoring shots are what win is what's winning these fights. Um, and look, the judges, I suppose, at the end of the day, that's what they saw. They saw Katie Taylor coming away with maybe three or four rounds clear in the finish. Yeah, there was after Serrano, she was announced first. The first judge went her way, and the four thousand Irish fans kind of fell a bit silent as well. Did you have a bit of a doubt in your head, or when you were watching it, were you comfortable in the knowledge that Katie would come away with it? I I felt that Katie had done enough, and I suppose when I heard the first decision been called out, uh, kind of sunk or the the hearts began to to sink a small bit because especially would have been in Madison Square Gardens in America. Um, Look, we've seen we've seen some bad decisions in the past, um, and and going to the so maybe for a small second there, I I had a small worry that she she was going to lose the belt. But once I heard the second call of the decision, I was fairly confident she was going to get the third judge, and and luckily enough, she did. So often we hear the term uh, greatest woman, greatest woman boxer. Uh, say Leona Maguire is having uh, a tremendous year in golf. Greatest woman golfer, Rachel Blackmore, greatest woman uh, jockey, uh, Ke yeah, being the greatest woman boxer. I think it does her a disservice. Is she the greatest Irish athlete that we've ever produced? The, forget about uh, woman. Forget about man. Is she the, the best representation of what Ireland produce? Yeah, look, you could de- you could certainly make an argument for her being up there as, as the greatest ever Irish athlete. You know, she in the amateurs, she did everything. She won an Olympic gold medal, and now as a professional, she's an undisputed world champion. You know, it's it it would be hard to argue that she's not the greatest Irish uh, sports person ever. But I suppose, look, again, it comes down to the general consensus, and uh, everyone has their opinion to that. Um, but look, she what she what she's about. She puts herself up there on the top tier of of one of the greatest Irish sports persons ever, and probably would be very, very hard to ever see someone like her again accomplish what she's done. Have you noticed her influence within the boxing gyms? Have you noticed more females becoming interested in the boxing game in itself? Yeah, look, if I'm talking from through our own club perspective, since Katie Taylor won Olympic gold in 2012, we've seen an awful lot of uh, females joining the club. Um, And no doubt that was down to Katie Taylor's success. The same way as when Kelly Harrington won Olympic gold just recently in Tokyo, crop of females have joined the club, and there's no doubt about it. It's it's all correspondent to their success, um, which is phenomenal. Because look, we love seeing females come through the door. There's there's huge opportunities for them in the club. You know, for a female to go on and win a, a national title in Ireland, you know they can get themselves on playing the Europeans and World Championships. You know, and, and there, there is huge opportunities. So. We're delighted to see the likes of Katie Taylor and Kelly Harrington and, and females like this excel at the sport of boxing because it just promotes the sport of boxing and it gets more um, engagement with young, younger females. Boxing seems to be, especially like uh, uh, this main, like having Katie Taylor in Madison Square Garden, that cannot, that's the mecca of not even just sporting arenas. That's the mecca for anybody, whether you play music or anything like that. There seems to be a lot of big money fights happening lately. Maybe there was a bit of a lull. Mayweather might have carried on his back for quite a while and everyone was looking forward to Mayweather Pacquiao or whatever. But there seems to be a lot of big money fights happening, especially in the heavyweight division for the men. Uh, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, like there seems to be a lot of hype surrounding them. Going back to Wembley, 90,000 people, Tyson Fury, Dillian White. Did you watch that fight? What did you make of it? I did. I I watched that fight... um... You know, 94,000 people in Wembley, uh, just an incredible, incredible attendance. 
Um, and Tyson Fury, I was I was delighted. Look, I, I would be a Tyson Fury fan myself, um, and I had a feeling that he would be just too good for Dillian White. Um, but look, the home, again, like Katie Taylor, we'd love to see her here in Ireland with her homecoming. Tyson Fury, whether it is his last fight, whether it's not, it was phenomenal to see him in, in England come home to, to a, a massive crowd and uh, to put on a performance to stop Dylan White in the sixth round. Um, it, was, it was just unbelievable. It certainly was, and just such a tremendous finish as well. I remember, like in real time, that uppercut looked like it completely kind of just went by him because it was so fast. And then when they slowed it down, just seeing the connection, the power, and the speed that a six foot nine man has is absolutely frightening. It's 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 incredible when you look at Tyson Fury. You would just you couldn't imagine he'd be able to box the way he does for the size of of, of him. He's he's six foot nine. He's coming in at about two hundred and forty pounds. He defies he defies the laws of physics with, with his stature in the ring. Um, and I suppose when when you look at the shot, you'd have to give Dylan White you'd have to give him massive credit to to say that he even attempted to get back up on his feet to continue on. I I don't think anyone else would have been able to even stand up on their feet. I know he continuing the referee eventually waved it off, but just the heart of a line, you know. He 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 attempted. He gave it every attempt to try and get back up in his feet to continue to fight but uh, Tyson Fury is just he's a different specimen now Was there anything contentious about the push that Fury did after the uppercut? I suppose look that is that is one thing that an awful lot the push but whether the push you know was there or it wasn't there I, I still think the same outcome was going to happen I don't think that Dillian White would have been able to continue after the uppercut I think the uppercut was completely just shook him to his boots and that, that had him finished the push, it was just to, I suppose, just to push him over. It's like a, a fallen ship, you know, just shove it over and, and, let, it, and let him <laughs> timber. That's it. That's it. Just timber him down. But no, I don't think, I don't think the push affected the outcome at all. Well, just seeing Tyson Fury in Wembley having ninety four thousand people chanting him on just gives you hope that Crow Park will be the venue for our own hero, Katie Taylor. Possibly, you could be looking at a hundred thousand people filling that stadium for the second fight. Absolutely, there's, there's no doubt about it. It would be amazing to have Kay Taylor have, have a homecoming here in Crow Park, and she she would fill it out. I've no I've no doubt in my mind. Um, she has tremendous support. They say four thousand fans travelled over Madison Square Garden. If that was in Dublin, just imagine the crowd that you'd have up there. They don't need travel. They they travel in the droves to get to go and watch her. Yeah, just like the day with Ali, 1972, I think he was going up against Al Blue Lewis fighting in Crow Park. Just what a huge stir that caused in Ireland. No doubt Katie can replicate Muhammad Ali, maybe sell more tickets than that. That was just, it's phenomenal to know that that is in her history and then what could potentially be in the future for Irish boxing is just unfathomable. Absolutely, I, I completely agree with you there, Shane. It would be just... It would be good. It would go down in the history books. Um, it would be definitely. It would definitely go down in the history books, and we'll be watching it years to come on unreal in years on RT. <laughs> Gary, thanks ever so much. You're always very kind with your time talking to us here at KCLR. Best of luck with Marble City Boxers. Congratulate those lads on representing your club and the county in general and the Irish boxing world at the national championships. Have a great weekend, sir. Enjoy the bank holiday. Shane, appreciate that. We'll chat to you soon. Gary Kyo, ladies and gentlemen from Marble City Boxers, giving us a rundown on Casey Taylor's tremendous fight. Bit of Tyson Fury in there. Bit of National Championship in there as well. No doubt we'll be talking to him later on during the year. Quick ad break there. We're going to hear from Sean Walsh about uh, the Galway-Kilkenny game. Got From Galway Bay FM, caught up with Brendan Hennessy. Stick around on Scoreline. <laughs>
Joshin is back to fill us in on everything that's happening in greyhound racing. What an absolutely cracking weekend of greyhound racing it is this weekend. And it all kicked off last night in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium with the semi-finals of the Fonzie MacDonald Memorial. And it's a fantastic competition and wonderful to give recognition and pay tribute to Fonzie MacDonald, who of course was a regular at our local Greyhound Stadium here in Kilkenny. The first semi-final was won very, very impressively by Boo the Best. And look at the clock at this one. 28.99, a very nice performance indeed. Going off to 6, the 4 favourite and Boo the Best showed great staying power to take victory in this one. Owned by the Eagle Ballon Hill Syndicate and trained, of course, by Thomas Buggy in Carlow. Thomas Buggy's kennels are absolutely flying at the moment. Bob Ollinger was back in second and Efrenog Clough was back in third. So those three will progress through to the Fonzie MacDonald Memorial final next Friday night in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. In the second semi-final, this was an intriguing affair also. Ratchie's gift came out on top in a time of 29.14 at a price of 5-2. to two. A very nice performance indeed by Ratchie's gift own and trained, of course, by Mr. P.J. Peacock. Back in second was Blast Off Harry and in third was Black Summer. So those three progressed through to next Friday night's final. Also, it was a cracking card in Kilkenny last night. Ten races in total and some very, very nice performances indeed. Of course, Thomas Buggy. The aforementioned Thomas Buggy. His kennel is flying, as you said. Kilgraney Clang won for him last night as well in 29.05, giving him a double. So really good night for the Buggy Kennel in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. So very, very exciting times locally. Next Friday night, we will have the final of the Fonzie MacDonald Memorial. And also the one we've been speaking about for a long time now, the champion unraced. 10,000 euros to the winner. It's one of our highlights of the year here in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. And we have the opening round of it next Friday night. So put that one in your calendar and get on out to Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium next Friday night for the final of the Fonzie MacDonald Memorial A3 and also the start of the champion unraced and credit to the Kilkenny Greyhound Owners and Breeders Association who have been doing majestic work at the track over the last number of weeks to get the track in pristine condition so well done to all of those volunteers so we are looking eagerly looking forward to the start of the champion unraced and the Fonzie MacDonald final next Friday night in Kilkenny elsewhere in Limerick Greyhound Stadium tonight, we have a strong local interest in the epic hero Limerick Oaks. Mert Lahey, a man whose name has been mentioned many, many times in the slot, going down to Limerick with a very, very strong hand indeed. In the Limerick Oaks, the tonight is the first round. In the first heat, we have Lou Jano for the Club of Champions Syndicate. A very successful syndicate, of course, led by Gavin O'Mahony who is living in England but has a very, very strong local interest in Greyhound Racing and is a local sponsor, in fact, in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium. So, Nujana runs some trap five for Mertlay and the Club of Champions Syndicate in round one, heat one of tonight's Limerick Oaks. In the second round, Droopy's nice one. Nice one by name and nice one by nature. Had some very slick performances down in Limerick, winning in 28.33 and 28.39 over the Conanenny Kirby Memorial. Had a trial two weeks ago in Shelburne Park, doing 28.35, and that's as good as you'll get. Droopy's nice one will go off a warm favourite tonight and should take the honours in round one. He too of the epic hero Limerick Oak. So best to look to our local runners there elsewhere. In Mullingar, we have the second round of the RGPTV 600 Cesarewitch and Pirno runs in 
round two he too, of course, owned locally by Mr. Gerard Hutton of County Carlow. And Pierno has been a wonderful servant for Gerard Hutton and, of course, trainer Thomas O'Donovan, who have enjoyed much success in recent times. So best to look to them. Strong local interest in Mullingar for the Cesarewich and strong local interest down in Limerick for the beginning of the Oaks. So best of luck to all our local runners there. Elsewhere, in Shelburne Park, in HQ, we have a cracking 12-race card tonight. And, of course, Zoom, a greyhound who won the McCallum Cup a number of weeks ago in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium, also owned by the aforementioned Club of Champions Syndicate. Zoom runs from Trap 4 in Race 8 for the RCETS final. €3,000 to the winners here, and another greyhound trained by Murtlehi. His kennel is flying at the moment. Wonderful to see our local trainers and owners and connections doing so well across the country. And we have Zoom running from Trap 4 in tonight's final. Has a massive chance for the Lahi Kennel, who has a very, very busy night ahead. Runners down in Limerick, runners up in Shelburne Park. They're going to be all over the place with very strong hands everywhere they go. So best of luck to them tonight in Shelburne Park. And indeed, all local runners in Shelburne Park. We have many, many local runners up in Dublin tonight. So best of luck to all our runners in Dublin, Mullingar and Limerick. And of course... The big one starts next Friday in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium, folks. The champion on race, €10,000 to the winner. We cannot wait for the crowds. And they're coming back in their droves in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium in the aftermath of the COVID regulations. So really, really brilliant to see. Lots to be excited about in the Greyhound racing world. Grimsby Townman Gavin Houlihan on Life with Grimsby. Welcome back to Scoreline. Shane O'Keefe here until 6 o'clock. A lot of GEA. We've been listening to it since 2 o'clock. We'll be going back to that with the Clash Act for Rhino Dwyer, former Dublin hurler in just a bit. But as always, I love relishing having a chat about soccer, especially with this man, always so kind with his time. Despite living over across the pond in England, we're always checking in, seeing how he's getting on, along with the Kilkenny contingent like Jimmy Cohan, uh, Tom O'Connor, and of course Carlos Porrick Almond and Shawnee Maguire from Kilkenny. Gavin's always on the list. Gavin Houlihan joins me. Gavin, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. How are you, How's things, bud? Absolutely fan-dabby-dozy. We're after getting to a semi-final of the McCallman Cup as well today, so I'm just absolutely buzzing. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Your all side, Evergreen as well, have claimed the Premier Division once again. I can't really remember a time where they haven't claimed it. Actually, yeah, nothing's changed there. Nothing's changed there, <laughs> uh, talk about change, though. I, I had to admit, it became a bit of a shock to me. Now, we, as I said, check in across the pond to see how you're always getting on. It was a bit of a shock during the season, um, not seeing your name starting a lot with Hartypool after helping them progress to the Football League. Uh, how difficult of a season was it for you with them this season? Uh, yeah, look, it was, it was very difficult. Obviously, I'd started the season pretty well um, and then obviously picked up a, a groin injury, which kept me out for about six weeks. Um, and then, yeah, when I came back in then, got back into the team, you know, I was flying again and, and then there was a change of manager and uh, just a few kind of things, you know, contract-wise that was kind of going on behind the scenes that I didn't really have much control over. Uh, over so obviously dictated me me obviously not playing as much as I would have would have wanted to. So that was I suppose that was the frustration on my part. But um yeah, look it was just, just one of those things and one of those you kinda of have to move on from. 
And looking back on your time there, obviously so many incredible memories. You know, we've played the uh, the the audio from the Hartlepool fans serenading you after the elation of getting promoted. Then, of course, scoring that goal on the first day of the league. Just you seem to be so revered by the fans. It must have been quite difficult for both sets of uh, players and supporters because you had the Wolf Pack, as you were known as over there as well. You know, it must have been quite difficult to say that goodbye. Oh, it was. It was, you know, it's probably one of the toughest decisions I've had to make in my career to date. Um, you know, because, like I said, I absolutely loved the club and loved my time there. And, um, you know, I had made great memories. And, you know, I suppose my teammates and, you know, they were, you know, friends for life now after, after what we had we had accomplished uh, over the past couple of seasons. So it was a difficult one, but it was one that, you know, I suppose sometimes, you, I suppose in any walk of life, you have to make tough decisions for your career and and that was a decision I had to had to make and go on a different path and um, you know you know so far I'm, I, I think I made the right decision. Yeah, because you've been doing great. You've after joining Grinsby, joining uh, fellow Kilkenny legend, one of the man that I first had on the back of a jersey, Michael Reddy, so revered in Grimsby as well. So having another Kilkenny man back there is just a, a, a huge thing for them, I'm sure. But you seem to be enjoying life over there anyway. Gotten off to a flying start. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it was it's it was something that kind of came up, um, an opportunity came up, and it was a, I suppose, a decent offer from them. And you know, I know I know the club well. Obviously, it's logistically it, it suits to where I'm living. It's it's probably only about forty minutes from where I was living. So, um, commuting wise, you know, it made a lot of sense for me. And um, yeah, it's again, it's a, it's another massive club, very similar, I suppose, to Hartlepool when when they were in the national league, it was a massive club in that league that you know probably shouldn't shouldn't have been in the league and you know was desperate to get to get out of it again um having got got relegated from league two last season so uh yeah there was an ambition in the club and a hunger in the club to try and you know bounce back and and, and get back in uh in the football league this season so it was just obviously something that i suppose excited me and something that i wanted to be a part of is it difficult coming into a team so late into the season anyway? Because, you know, there's obviously clicks formed and there's different players. And we talked to Eric Malloy about this when he's joining Longford. You're coming into a new setup, new people all together. Was it difficult, though, coming in at the start of the season or where you came in as opposed to the start of the season? Because you don't get to build that rapport. You have to just hit the ground running straight away. Yeah, yeah. look, I suppose you kind of have to get into the swing of things Quicker than you would have would have to, I suppose, if you came in at the start of the season and you know getting to grips with stuff. Um, but no, I, I obviously can't speak highly enough of you know all the all the lads, you know, all my teammates and um, and the the management staff and stuff who you know have really welcomed me in and and you know made me feel part of it and have made me feel as if I'm kind of one who kind of come in come in kind of like late and jumping on the bandwagon as such. Like they've kind of made me feel like I'm I'm, I'm very much part of it from the off and. Um, yeah, and that's helped me settled in. And you know, luckily, I've been able to put in some good performances, and um, you know, I've had a good start to my Grimsby career. And will you be looking? At, is the, the playoffs are still very much on the cards for you? There's three games still to go. The, the promotion is very much on the minds of Grimsby fans, is it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've had some massive results now over the last few weeks. Um, you know, beat Stockport, who were the league leaders there a couple of weeks ago. That was a massive win for us. And followed it up with another couple of uh, good wins after that so we've you know we've put ourselves in a great position now where I know we're probably close enough to secure and hopefully that playoff spot it's not obviously nailed on yet but you know um, the results that we've had over the last few weeks have, have gone a long way to secure that so um, and then look I experienced it last year you're in the playoffs it's a lottery you need a lot of luck to, to go your way and 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that's that's exciting, and you know, I know all the fans will be um, very much excited for it as well. Yeah, it's quite shrewd business as well from a Grimsby perspective, especially considering you have that experience of playing of the playoffs. You know, you brought it up yourself. Do you think that factored in bringing you in? Also, just knowing that you've been there, you've done that very recently as well. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, obviously, I haven't spoke to the to the manager yet. You know, he'd kind of made that point to me that you know, haven't had the playoff success the, the year before, you know, I'd have that experience and and I suppose that know how how to, you know, get over the line as such. So, um yeah, that was probably in his thinking, obviously bring him in and you know, adding a bit of experience um to to obviously what what was a pretty experienced group anyway. You know, there's we've got plenty of experience in the group, players who have like won promotions in, in League Two, League One, stuff like that. So um, yeah, I suppose that bringing me in was just was just to add to that, and you know, having that know how how to do it, and hopefully being able to recreate the same as um, last season. And I, I did mention him just very briefly there, Michael Reddy. He had a, a tremendous three years with Grimsby Town, seventy appearances in the league, twenty six goals. You know, bringing another Kilkenny lad in was that ever mentioned to you or anything like that? Uh, a few have said it to me actually. Yeah, uh, they obviously remember Michael Reddy from his time there, so. Um, Yes, yeah, so obviously. Uh, hopefully, I can follow in his footsteps and you know leave a mark like he did here. And um, he's still he's still thought of very fondly over here. Yeah, it's a, it's just mad to see another Kilkenny guy uh, lining out for Grimsby in the black and white. So, in 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 terms of contract, then you, we know it can be quite fickle in 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 soccer worlds. Is this going on extended into next season, or is this just until the end of the season and then see what happens? No, it was a two and a half year deal that I had signed, um, which I suppose again was a, another massive in- incentive, obviously to 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 make that move. You know, it, it offered me a good bit of security, and you know, know where I'm going to be for the next next couple of seasons. And, um, and like you said, in this game, you know, having a, a contract of, of that length is you know few and far between. So obviously, when it's offered to you, you know, it's something that you have to seriously look at and. Um, you know, it wasn't just obviously the length of the contract. It was it was the club I was joining as well, and it's, yeah. it's the club with ambition and, and hunger to get back in the football league, which is which is massive. I think um, just you know the length of the contract obviously helped a lot as well. Yeah, you you've obviously lived in England for a, a long period of time, joining Hull in your youth, and but you came back to the League of Ireland for five years and had some tremendous spells at the League of Ireland. In fact, I've spent a lot of time down in Waterford over the past three uh, weeks, and we were talking to a lot of Waterford United lads, and they had nothing but the great th- great things to say about yourself and Shawnee Maguire about your time there. Um, was there ever on your conscience coming back to the League of Ireland at all before you joined Grimsby? Um, no, I think I had you know, I kind of made mind about just bought bought a house in in uh, in Hull, obviously where I'm living. So uh, yeah, I'd kind of known I was kind of putting down like setting up roots here, and you know this is where I was going to be for the foreseeable anyway. So um, yeah, when I had left Hartlepool, it was just about to about sorting the next the next uh, next venture, I suppose. And Grimsby, like I said, fit the bill logistically. It's it's only forty minutes away, um, whereas Hartlepool was. You know, I was commuting an hour and fifty minutes every day, which was, so it's, you know it's a massive difference. Um, so yeah, it, it it just fit perfectly for me, and you know it was something that was I was I was glad to get done. And uh, we have a message in there as well from your auntie uh, Jur, just saying it's great to hear you on KCLR, and she's sending you lots of love. I'll tell her I'll give her a ring later. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Gavin, it's just always amazing getting to talk to you and seeing someone local do so well on such a big stage. And we're looking forward to following your journey. We'll be shouting Grimsby on. I think myself and Ken have two Grimsby jerseys on the way anyway. So we'll be looking forward to it. We'll put it right beside our Sunderland Michael Reddy jerseys. I love it. Fair play. Fair play. I love that. Yeah. Gavin, best of luck for the rest of the season. Thanks so much for taking the time. Top man, Shane. Talk to you soon. That's Gavin Houlihan, currently playing his trade with Grimsby. We will shout him on for the rest of the season. Absolute gentleman, always very nice and considerate with his time. And uh, Antiger, he's going to give you a call very, very soon. There's lots more still to come here on Scoreline. As I said, we'll be talking a bit about GEA very, very soon with an excerpt from the Clash Act. So stick around. Sticking with soccer, the FAI's Brendan Corish tells us about the power of football that will be taking place on Friday in Bunclody. O'clock. Now we're going to keep the soccer talk going as I'm joined by the FAI's uh, Brendan Corish, who's telling us all about power football that will be taking place on Friday in Bunclody. Brendan, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. How are you keeping? Not too bad, thanks yourself. Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, Brendan, could you explain exactly what power chair football is? Yeah, well, power chair football is an adapted form of football. Um, it combines the skill of the wheelchair user with the speed and the power of the chair. Um, it's normally played on a hard surface, usually a basketball court, um, and it's played with a ball that's 33 centimetres in diameter. Um, the games are four against four, including goalkeepers, and every player then has a foot guard at the front of their chair, which is used to kick and block the football. And how important is it for people who are disabled to be afforded the opportunity to take part in sport, not even just in soccer, but just in sport in general? Well, in fairness, I think sport in general teaches everyone um, how to communicate effectively, the importance of teamwork, um, cooperation, respect. Um, So for people with disabilities, then sport can help encourage independence as well. And it can help the athlete to become physically and mentally stronger. Um, All the skills that a player can gain from sport can be transferred then over to their everyday life. And the thing is, it's not even that hard to do. Like, sports have been developed for the mainstream, by the mainstream. And all we have to do as facilitators then is just adapt the rules or change the equipment a little bit. And it allows people with disabilities the opportunity to take part. Have you found, uh, we found in, in speaking to certain different uh, minority sports that the difficulty of getting venues that would allow something, say, like rollerblades or indeed a wheelchair. Have you found uh, a lot of courts might be a bit hesitant to have a wheelchair? Are you coming up against it in that respect? Um, no, in, in fairness, it's struggling to actually get a venue and getting times can be an issue, especially with everything opening back up again and people trying to get back on track with their lives. Um, like all through different types of venues that like we've been involved in or even communicating with CIDOs and different sports partnerships, it is hard to get some facilities all the time. Um, in fairness, there is a lack of kind of facilities for PowerShare football um, in the region at the minute. But luckily for us, um, Bonclaudi have been excellent and are giving us the opportunity to try our taster sessions there first and then hopefully at the end of the eight-week programme then we're going to be able to make sure that we have a powerchair football club playing at Bungaudi FC. And how are you finding the people being interested? Are you getting a lot of interest in it? Um, at our first taster session, we had five kids, inv- well, sorry, not kids, we had five players because it's, it's nearly all ages um, involved in it. And, but then we did have four or five other people who sent apologies and who were very interested in taking part but just couldn't make that night. So 
hopefully if we can get even three quarters of that total, that would be a great start for the eight-week programme. And is this something that the FAI are, are, are really getting behind? Is it a goal of the FAI to give people the opportunity to participate in this? Um, it's a goal of the FAI in general. Um, they've been promoting football for all since 2002. Um, we have five full-time football for all staff in the association. So Region 1 has Heather Jameson, Region 2 has Chris McGilley, Region 7 has Paul Smith, then there's myself in the southeast, and then we have Paddy O'Reilly as the programme coordinator. So we would work with lots of different groups. We work with Special Olympics Ireland, the Association of Irish Culture, Football, Irish Amputee Football Association, the CB Academy. We work with Region Sport Ireland for Blind and Vision Repair Football. We work with Frame Football, Deaf Sport um, Ireland. And we work with Football for All Schools, with special schools. We have Pan Disability Football for All Clubs all over the country. And we're seven in our region at the minute. And we also work with the HSC for Kickstart Recovery Programs, Mental Health Service Programs, um, Rehab Care and National Learning Network for Adult Service Blitz Days. And we partner with the Irish Street League too. Um, and then it's not just the FAI, or the Football for All DOs, the mainstream DOs do their fair share as well. Like Gary Cody and Carlo runs a lot of stuff. Um, he has an annual autism summer soccer school. He was involved in the power chair football when it was in Carlo. Um, works with St. Lazarian Special School and he's been involved with the Adult Servants Bliss Days since nearly the start. And then Will Kinsla, Power Chair Football as well in Kilkenny um, when it was in Evergreen. Um, he also works with intellectual disability groups in the watershed. He works with our mother of Fairlough Special School and um, works with football for all clubs. So throughout the region, even Gary and Waterford does a lot. Degan Tipperary, Dean Broders, who's with me in Wexford. All the lads do a lot of in fairness as well, our regional manager, Mike, will be really supportive of the Football for All programme. And it's just, it's we, we get a lot of work done in the South Leah, we were talking to the Kilkenny Sports and Recreation and they were talking about the FAI getting involved there and helping people with disabilities also. So it's great to know that there's avenues out there for people. Do you find it difficult to get that information out to specific groups or are you finding it quite people being quite receptive uh, is particularly the media being quite receptive to being able to spread that message um, with regards to media to be honest you're the first person to get in touch with me anyway um, I'm not sure if any of the other lads in my region have done much media work I know that the lads in the other regions have done a bit um, but to be honest a lot of the stuff that we go through we get a lot of help from um, the sports partnership, so Seamus and Kenny, Trees and Carlo, Rachel and Waterford, Anna in Wexford and Trina before her. Um, so we, we do get a lot of help from those bodies as well and from the different organisations that we're working with, like the Special Olympics and the uh, Association of Irish Military Football. So all those organisations do help us get the word out there for any of the different programmes that we're going to run. And if people want to get involved in this from a coaching perspective, like you, you, you hear about, say, the Kickstarter programs and then you keep going on and you progress, is this a specialist thing now that you've had to kind of go and almost retrain and reframe what football is? Or is it, as you so often see when you're playing football manager, or you hear a manager talking, football is a very universal language, so uh, the same skills are applicable to this? Same skills are applicable to right throughout football for all. Um, as I said, Football is, and sport in general, is created by the mainstream, part of mainstream. So what we have to do is look at the different disability group we're working with, make the changes to the rules if we need to make changes to the rules, make the changes to the equipment. But the sport is the same sport. So it's just a case of us having to adapt each session to cater for the needs of the individuals involved in the session and make sure that the players that are enjoying the session um, learn the new skills, having fun. 
And is there is there a framework then been done in other countries? Have you been able to see, say, the work been done just a, a, across the pond in England or in, in Europe or anything like that? Are you able to see a framework and kind of take from that or is it just all building from the ground up? Um, well, as I said, the Football for All programme in Ireland has been running since 2002 um, when Oshin Jordan was the first person to take over. Um, since then, we have, we're developing the new strategy for the FLA at the moment. So there is a new Football for All strategy in development. Um, it's, it's a case of going to our affiliates, seeing what we can do with them, what they need from us, how we can support them, because each of the groups I mentioned are affiliates to the FEI, so we do fund them in some way. Um, so it's a case of seeing what they need from us and how we can support them best. Um, with regards to looking to the other countries, we, we don't really, because we need, to, we need to focus on what we're doing in our country. Um, but to, to say that other countries aren't involved throughout Europe, Power football is is very big. There's 11 countries playing it in Europe at the minute, um, and then there's a few in America and South America and in Asia and Australia. So, like even the Irish national power chair team will be going to the World Cup in October um, to compete. Oh, fantastic! That's amazing to hear. If there is a youngster out there and they they're they're liking what they're hearing, they want to participate in football. Um, and they want to participate in power chair football. What age do you have to be to start playing? Well, at the minute for the programme we're going to be doing in Moncloti, we won't put an age limit on. Um, the reason being that if anyone wants to come along, we will start off with technical practices and stuff. Um, there's no physical advantage to being in the chair under the 2v1 rule, which means that when one player is on the middle for the ball, no other player can be within three metres. So it's the case of there's going to be no physical disadvantage of being a younger player. Um, so if it's a case of we need to accommodate some players with more technical practices than others, that's what we'll do um, just to get them enjoying the game and get them involved. Um, so we won't really have an age restriction on our group. Well, Brendan, thanks very much for taking the time. It sounds absolutely fantastic, the work that has been put in. And you hear a lot of negative stories about the FAI, but you mentioned the name Gino Broders. He does fantastic work here. We've been talking to various people involved in the FAI and various other different places that utilise the FAI. So it's amazing to see that the type of work that doesn't really get a spotlight shined on it and seeing the people at ground level doing something to help promote the game. So kudos to you, sir, and best luck with Power Chair Football. And no doubt we'll be in touch very very soon Welcome back to Scoreline. It is myself, Shane O'Keefe, here until 6 o'clock. And then Owen Kerry is going to make it sound like Sunday, like only he can, before Brian Redman is going to take you to the stars and back. Now, joining me on the line, as he so often does on a Sunday, talking all things fitness, is one of Ireland's strongest men. It is, of course, Davy Jones from Davy Jones Fitness. Davy, how are you doing, sir? Hi, Shane. How are you? You're out training in this weather of all days to be training outside. Yeah, I'm actually sitting in the car park now ready to pull an Arctic. I'm getting ready to hit the pub, but you're getting ready to go to pull an Arctic. <laughs> Talk about yeah. different levels, sir. You're warming me up for now, Shane. <laughs> Davey, uh, as so often, uh, we've been talking about all things fitness for the past 17 weeks here on KCLR. I can confirm it has been 17 weeks because I've been training with you for 17 weeks. Uh, the last week started out fantastically and then disaster struck when I was training shoulders with Vinny. And uh, 
believe it could be a rotator cuff issue. Um, when you come across pain in the gym, and this is why I wanted to get get across to you, uh, how can you identify when it's a good pain and when it's a bad pain? And by good pain, I, I mean, you know, just muscle tiredness, fatigue, and knowing that you've actually worked the muscles because you are tearing fibres and there is a bit of pain involved. But when when is it that you make that call to go, no, there's something actually up here? Um, the main thing would, uh, like an injury would be uh, a lot of discomfort doing a certain movement, whatever muscle group you're using, and the inability to be able to do the, that uh, that movement. That's the number one kind of thing, really, because that's kind of your body telling you, stop, you know, rest. And the main thing with injury is the more you rest, the more recovery, the more rehab you do, the better you're going to be, unfortunately. Like, the mindset of, oh, it'll be grand and push through doesn't work unfortunately and you have to kind of listen to your body sometimes and we had this um over the last 17 weeks a little bit with reception just a little bit tight and the legs or hips are tight and stuff like that and same with your knees and you know a little bit of a, a deload week as we call it um going back a bit lighter and doing a bit of stretching always works out to be better come back stronger and fairer then yeah because a lot of time when you're dealing with the gym, you hear the phrase, no pain, no gain. And a lot of the time, you always try and push through a pain barrier. But as you said, when your body is telling you no, sometimes you physically can't. And I was in the middle of a rep and I was trying to, I was flying through it. And then all of a sudden, just the right arm just went and tried to continue going. And I physically couldn't do that. So do you find that, like, when you're starting off with somebody, uh, do you find that that happens quite a bit or that, you know, they're not used to some of the movements that they're doing or anything like that. Do you find that people are kind of coming up against the pain barrier every now and again? Yeah, definitely with pain, with muscle pain. Thankfully, with injuries, no, we don't have um, we don't have that much injuries, thank God. Um, but when we do, it's, it's number one to, to stop what we're doing, assess what's wrong, assess what, what makes the whatever um, is hurt sore. And, uh, yeah, go from there and just kind of take it back a little bit, if that makes sense, and then restart again the following week a bit fresher, hopefully. Certainly hoping to feel a bit fresher anyway. I'm coming off a very busy schedule. My first day off in a month is tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that one. Hence the pub tonight to celebrate Castle Warren's victory today in the McCallum Cup. Um, what I was going to say to you is... When you're training, you know, you hear a lot of people kind of ingest uh, or ingest kind of a bit of complaints or whatever and just a bit of laughing and joking that goes along as well and uh, I made it a point when I was coming across to do legs which is always a tough day no matter what what is going on legs is always a, a tough day but I made a point to uh, smile throughout the whole kind of experience of going through leg day do you find that adds to training when you have someone to bounce off of like uh, like yourself or like Vinny or sometimes you could have a training partner there as well when you're kind of just laughing and joking through while still getting the stuff done 100% it makes life a lot easier when you're training with someone who would be a trainer or, or, or a friend or whatever be a training partner whatever it be it makes it makes time go by a bit faster if that makes sense and uh, makes it more enjoyable to have a bit of crack with each other and yeah, because like, at the end of the day, if you're training correctly, it's going to be hard, you know. And especially like the likes of leg days, they're, they're heavy days, and it's, it's hard going if you're training correctly. And making a bit of laughing and joke and all that makes time go a bit faster.
And do, do, is that something then that you're trying to promote over there? A lot of people, when they're doing training, they like to do it as a personal journey with a, a personal trainer. But is there options available there, say, if you wanted to go with a partner who might be a bit tentative or indeed if you wanted had a couple of friends that you want to go over? Are there group training sessions and stuff like that that you would do? Yeah, exactly. We do a lot of couples. Um, we do a lot of couples that do five and ten-week programs with us, and that works out well, you know. And uh, it works out well, I always think, with people, um, couples that are training together because they can eliminate all the bad food out of the house very easily. While if one person is on a, on a diet and then the other person is not, it usually doesn't work out great. But when people are trained together, they're in the same mindset and they're eating the same type of foods. and It always works out well, yeah. The variety that happens when you're training is being something that was a quite a big shock to the system because when you're going over and you're expecting going, all right, I'm doing chest, so I do uh, normal bench and then I'll do any kind, then I might do decline or anything like that. But the variety over there when you're training is always going to keep you guessing. So you don't know what kind of training session you're coming into. Is it going to be particularly a tough one? And I found it tough, I said, doing a decline bench press there after doing incline and uh, doing a flat bench. So... Then it gets changed up again, and instead of using your both arms, you're using single arms and, and, and different things like that. Do you find that keeps people motivated, being able to change it up like that? Exactly. It's good for the mind, something different, like not to be too repetitive doing the same stuff. And brilliant for the body, where they're giving it a little bit more stimulus, a little bit different stimulus, and uh, breaking down the muscles issue a bit more. We're just, we're just very lucky that we have, we have a lot of different equipment. We have a lot of equipment that you wouldn't see in most gyms, and we're lucky in the sense that we can change it up a lot and we can give um, our clients a different stimulus to train. And because we have a, so much so much different machines for upper and lower body as well. And when you're coming in, say, I experienced a, a bit of a twinge there on shoulders and generally you're kind of, you, you do your chest and back and then you do legs and then you use shoulders and arms. There are three various sessions that would be on offer. So if you're coming in again and you're saying going to do chest, which would involve a rotator cuff or if that indeed is the issue, if that is still an issue, would you still encourage training a different body part, say like the legs when you mightn't physically be able to do something like that? Would you change it up in that sense? Oh, 100%. The main thing is keep yourself moving. And not not to be getting there when I was a lot, a lot of people who get injured from me second included happened me two weeks ago, hurt my back and you know, I was thinking I won't be able to do whatever competition I'm going to do and all these things come into your head. But the main thing is to keep moving, find a way to fix yourself and just keep going and do what you can, you know. Um if you say about on the couch and think about oh, you know, how hard it is and this, that and the other or how sore you are, you, you won't get any better. Um, go to a good physio, get do some mobility stuff, whatever you need to do to get better, get into a nice bath, whatever you need to get do to get better, get yourself better and push on again. And I find that for mentally as well, just keeping moving, it's something that, you know, you hear about the values of exercise, releasing endorphins and of of course the aesthetic stuff of that. But my head does be in the bin sometimes if I uh, don't maybe, my schedule doesn't allow me to train for two days or whatever. And I always try and train at least uh, six days out of the seven, whether it be running or go for a walk or lifting. But my head would genuinely be in the bin if I miss it and then you're starting to have almost body dysmorphia I could look at myself in the in the mirror one day and then look at myself in the mirror another day and see two starkly different people so being able to keep on that regime for me was something hugely beneficial do you find 
that you're coming across people quite a bit, especially when they're starting off their journey, that to see themselves in such a different light to what the world sees themselves, is that part of the course to be able to flip that switch? Because I've noticed myself, I used to take scales as gospel. We've talked about it. You were saying, no, don't, don't ever do that. You know, don't be considering the scales different measurements and different kind of things but how hard is it for people to flip that switch because I can find myself getting back into that pulling the curtain and not wanting to do anything because I'm just so disappointed in myself how do you flip that mentality? You just have to think like you know every every day you step into the gym is it's just a step forward you know uh, Rome wasn't built in a day and none of us what what we're doing a lot of people always say to me you know how do you do whatever I do whatever I lift or anything like that and, um, you know, it's like I started this 12 years ago. And the first day I went into the gym, I could only walk five minutes on the, tra- on the treadmill. Couldn't do a whole lot more, do you know what I mean? And all these things were, were built up over years, not, wasn't overnight, you know. And that's what you have to think about. All, all our, um, all our um, sessions, like, you know, it's not, it's not going to change immediately, but the days, the weeks, the months, and all that built up is, is what changes our body and our mindset. Yeah, and I think the mindset is probably the most crucial thing to get right as well, and getting into that routine certainly helps it. Uh, Davey, I'm not going to keep you uh, waiting. There might be a driver in that truck that's waiting for you to pull along. (laughs) I don't know whether it's actually training or you're out there on the M9 uh, getting ready to help a truck get back to Kilkenny or anything like that. No, I'm here in a, in a car park in Glenmore ready to pull a truck in the last rain, so I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> I, can, I can actually hear a bit of enthusiasm in the voice for that. But, David, yeah. thanks very much for taking the time anyway. No doubt I'll be seeing you once again during the week as we go into week 18 of that 20-week programme. Thanks so much for everything that you're doing. If people want to follow along the blog post, you just check it out on scoreline.ie. The latest one is up there. Week 17, training with Davey Jones. And once again, Davey, if people are liking what they're hearing, they want to get in touch, where can they find you? On Instagram and Facebook, David Jones Fitness, and my website, davidjonesfitness.ie, and you contact us to any of those platforms. Davey, as always, an absolute pleasure. Have fun pulling that Arctic, sir. Richard, I know it's a three-point defeat, but there's a bit of pride restored in that Carlo performance today, and you'd have to take something from it regarding scoring averages in this competition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, obviously the result is the first and foremost. foremost. That's, it's disappointing, but um, I think we can take a huge amount of positives out today. Like um, We're written off all week like outside of our own camp, but we, blew, we believed and we knew that like last week was... Last week, which wasn't 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 a standard that we set, I suppose. So um, I think we, we we definitely we definitely restored a bit of pride there, um, definitely in the character scene today. Um, it was it was a, a, a performance that you know, and we didn't get the result, but it's one that you'd be pure, you'd be very proud to be part of, you know. And um, yeah, look, it's it's disappointing. Like I said, there's no points we we leave here without any points, which is the most important thing. But um, we definitely leave here in a better, in a far better place than we did last week. Still a lot to play for, and down at home in the fortnight's time, which will be an absolute cracker. Yeah, yeah, should should be a should be an absolute cracker. Um, yeah, look, um, like we said there, we had a little team huddle there, and we said two weeks time now is effectively an All Ireland quarter final. So still loads to play for. We're not we're not we're not gone yet. Um, um, yeah, we'll. Lowest player in the quarter final. Um, uh, we'll prepare as best we can over the next two weeks, and we'll hopefully, look, we'll deny any. Hopefully, we need to produce something like we did today, and hopefully, the result this time or in two weeks' time will come with it. 
you're soldiering well. I'm just looking at the stats there, and Terry reminding me today, you're not far off of Eddie's record. You, sta- you stand to break it, but uh, that'll be interesting. But I know it's not about you today, it's about Carol and the whole lot. But uh, well done in your great um, effort with your club and your county and all the years you've given us, Rich. And there's more to come, but there could be a record broken as well. I'll talk to you against down. No problem, yeah. We'll Stop laughing. We'll talk to you then, yeah. No, look, it's great, it's great, yeah. And every day I look upon this jersey, I'm proud to wear it. So, like, well, good man, well um, done. No, like, like you said, look, if, it, if it's done, it's done. If it's not, it's not. But we'll uh, hopefully be there in two weeks' time as well, and we might have another one to it. Well, listen, thanks a million. Congratulations, and thanks for that. Tom Mullally joins me. Tom, um, there was a puck of a ball between you in the end. We knew Pride would be restored today. We knew last week Carla weren't as bad as what they showed against Kerry, but uh, that was one hell of a performance then. You were very unlucky not to get something here in Antrim today. Yeah, probably. I, I think probably the lack of, of, of um, us, us performing at, at, at the high level when it came to the, to the crunch in the last three or four minutes, five minutes there, maybe that probably cost us the game in, in the end. But I think for 90% of it, we'd be the opposite of what we were last week. I mean, as much as we're embarrassed, we're probably happier, a lot happier and, and content with, 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 with what we brought to the table today. Like You know, you competed very well from the off. And at the start of the second half, a dream started. as said it at Hearns and Commentary. If you wanted a dream about hurling and at the start of the second half, you got it and competed very well. Well, we knew Antrim were going to come, obviously, with the breeze. I mean, I, I, it probably wasn't in the script to be for the, for the game to be so tight for Antrim, especially after getting the two goals in the first half. So our reaction at the start of the second half, and for probably 20, 25 minutes of the second half, was was, was excellent. I, I thought we were set up right. We, we, we tackled, we competed, we used ball well and stuff like that. And I, I think Antrim had to change had to change their style to kind of to get it across the line too, which is probably a compliment to our own lads and stuff like that, as much as we failed uh, ultimately in the end, you know. Yeah, I was just about to say that to you because Darren Leeson introduced substitutes very early in the game so Carlo really took the game to Antrim today and they were getting worried oh, they were, Yeah but look I, I, I suppose again like, like as much as, as today has, has, has been competitive we've used ball we've, we put ourselves in the game and we've ultimately come, short, kind of come up short so the last two games in this competition are kind of huge for us now but still this game is in our, our ha- or this competition is in our hands which is where we wanted to be after the first three games I mean, and stuff like that and I know we've had an up and down kind of a start to the competition but with the next two weeks hopefully we'll, we'll We'll get ourselves right and, and, and we'll be consistent for the last two games. We spoke about scoring averages last week in Carlo. I mean, to lose here by three points, that's uh, in a way a good thing because if it comes out to scoring averages, there's four teams today coming in here on two points Antrim on four, Antrim now on six. There's not too many going to beat Antrim, so you're saying you're in it. You have two matches, Carlo down and then to Tullamore. It's not, it's not a very, very, very difficult task, but it's, you're capable of doing it. Well, to look, that's the competition. You mean, and and we, we I suppose, Carlo want to compete in this competition, well, and and part of it are part of of competing it is 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 to raise our game for Antrim, for for Down, obviously coming to town in two weeks' time, and and, and then to just to bring it down to the last game against Offaly and have something to play for and if we have something to play for then hopefully we'll kind of reveal exactly where where, where things lie come, come the final whistle OK now I know swings and roundabouts and I thought the referee today had a great game but I thought there was a call out near the line here Jack McCullough had a hand pass what did you feel about that we, we felt it was a very harsh call now he seemed to give you a little bit of a present over in the corner on the far side even though there's no presence but it was a turning point in the vital time in the game what did you make of that decision? Look, it, it probably was when I I, I I don't know what angle the referee had on it. You mean and stuff like that? So it's it's, it's it, it looked maybe. Linesman had a good angle as well. <laughs> he did, but generally they, you don't get the help you want there. Um, Hometown. Yeah, exactly. But look, it it, it like I, I could only the referee cost us the game. You mean, no, he was excellent. I thought. Yeah, yeah, he was. And to be fair to him and and, and his, his officials, I mean, as much as we would have given out in the past about about officials and stuff like that, I think today that's that's not an excuse for us to use. You mean stuff that way? No, not at all. You you, you played well. Puck of the ball in at the end, Tom. Roll on down three weeks 
weeks we parked this one uh, but a, a good solid performance and confidence back in the squad I take it after that performance and probably a little bit dejected going home they're disappointed because they gave it a fair shot I know they're, they're absolutely disappointed and can rightly so you mean and stuff like that and that's, that's what we expect you mean and, and I think we're, we're well aware that there's two massive challenges coming down the road and that's why we're glad of the two week break now to try and get bodies right and stuff that way and we know down coming to town you mean it's, it's going to be a massive massive challenge for us and then it'll, it'll, if, if we can if we can navigate that one and, and, and get the result we want then at least we'll bring it to kind of where where we hope to be on, on, on the final day of, of, of the of the kind of rounds of the Joe Mack as such well, we look forward to it I'll leave you in the capital hands of Kieran Murphy here now Tom but thanks again and safe journey back oh he has him so listen thanks a million see, see you again Stone just a word Kilkenny Galway tomorrow Henry and Brian what do you make of what's going to happen <laughs> I'm going to stay out of that I'm going to stay out of that one alright Tom okay he's staying neutral okay Henry and Brian bye from goodbye from uh, Corrigan Park <laughs> Brian Dowling just beat Wexford here in the provincial round of the Leinster Championship. Give us your overall view of the match here today in Belfield. I look happy with the result. I suppose going down this morning, if you told me we'd won by nine points, I'd take it. Um, if said we scored 13 points, I probably wouldn't have been too happy. But look, thought the effort from the girls was fantastic. Our work rate was brilliant all over the pitch. Communication was very good. Um, obviously, our composure maybe at times let us down a little bit, but we created a couple of goal chances. You know, We probably hit a couple of easy wides as well. And any day you only concede four points is always very good. But look, um, I'm sure there's tougher tests ahead down the line. But it looks a starting block. It's another game now next week, so we're we'll looking forward to that. As you said, any day nine points win over Wexford is good. But from a neutral spectator's point of view, it was a dire match to be looking at at times. Only six points scored in the first half. Lots of breaks in between. There's a lot of scrappy rucks and the whole lot. Were you happy with the first half performance? I should look, I think it was only two points to zero after 20 minutes. It was a bit frustrating. I thought there was a lot of stoppages in the, go- in the game. I thought there was a lot of freeze. You know, I think the game was let flow a little bit more in the second half. I think every time we got into a groove, there was a player going down injured. And look, Wexford playing a certain way to get a lot of bodies back behind the ball and try and frustrate you. So, like, look, that's what happens in these games. You just have to be patient. You don't have, you can't open them up straight away a lot of the time, so you have to stay patient. And as I said, look, we said to the girls at half time to stay going, stick to the game plan, and the game will open up a bit, which it did. You know, I thought we could have got maybe a goal or two there in the second half. The chances were there, but we didn't take them. And, uh, but look, again, we, we won by nine points. It's the first game. It's a new team, you know, we're a very young team out there. People have to realise that. Uh, you know, we don't have the Ann Daltons, the Anna Farrells, the Davina Tobins, Clet Dormers, Megan Farrells anymore. We've a huge amount of new girls here and, uh, you know, we have to give them time. We have to be patient and, you know, they're the new girls at Kilkenny and look like Sneve Dealey and Michelle Teen there, you know, they're kind of knocking around the last couple of years. But, you know, they're stepping up now and being leaders on the team and, you know, we again, Tiffy Fitz and Ash McCarty and these are young girls. So we just have to be patient and give them time. Like, this is their first championship game. So, um, look, we're delighted with the way they've come through it. You had a lot of positional changes as well today. Are you using the Leinster to go forward, as you say, with the young players to kind of mix the more experienced players with the youth players and maybe to kind of find a balance now that, as you said, all them players are now gone? Yeah, look, we're trying to find our best team. Uh, look, we put out our strongest team today. Um, you know, we just we want to try and find get the right balance on the team. Um, you know, I said already we're after missing a lot of experienced players in the last couple of years, especially around the middle uh, middle area. You know, um, so it's about trying to get the right balance with with youth and experience. But again, we have what we have now, and you know these girls are putting in a fantastic effort, and it's just to give them the confidence now of that they're able to play at this level and you know winning championship games. I think that's the best way to do it. And you know, if we stay going on Leinster, we'll have eight games in the next ten weeks so we're going to learn a lot about girls then That was my next question you haven't long to reminisce I suppose over the game here today you'll go back Tuesday and have a look back over it but next day out now in the semi-final on the 7th of May 
Yeah, look, we're looking forward to next Saturday again against uh, Offaly. So, look, we said we said Leinster Championship is there. It's, it's a trophy to be won, so we're going all out to win it. Um, so, you know, again, we'll try to train hard on a Tuesday night and then you have to try to get recovery in uh, or an easier session on the Thursday before the game. So, look, we're not, it's not too much we can get done during the week. But, uh, look, it's important to get these Championship games and if we stay winning, we'll be happy and it builds up a bit of confidence in the group. With the announcement made that the Leinster final is going to be in Omar Park with the hurling curtain raiser between Galway and Leash, is there a bit of an incentive to get to the final there and to show off exactly what the sport of Camogie can do uh, yeah look I suppose it's great um, so look we, we said, said it to, you know, a couple of weeks ago that we were targeting the Leinster Championship I suppose maybe a couple of years ago we might use Leinster Championship to give players games but uh, look as I said already we're a new team and I think the more games we win the more confidence these girls will get and uh, you know like we want to win we want to get to the final I don't care where it's on but obviously it's a bonus that it's on a you know it's on a championship day with the, with the hurlers and that and hopefully a bit of a crowd in there so look it is an incentive look, where I don't care where it's in we want to get there and we want to try and win it I think it's an away game again for you Oh yes, look, we're going to we're going to Down, we're going to Antrim, we're going to Galway. So I say we may we may get a bus there for the next few weeks and hold on to it. We're going to be doing a lot of travelling, but uh, look, it is what it is. So we just have to get on with it now. Bus nearly want to camper van at this stage. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, best luck next Saturday, right. Brian. We'll be following you. All right, thanks, Martin. That's all for Scoreline Extra for this week. Don't forget, you can catch the live show every Saturday and Sunday from two p.m. Catch you next week.